Spiritual hunger is not a sign of the lack of God's presence. Rather, it's actually a sign of God's presence that's come upon you. Um, you guys ever be, just be really, really bored? Boredom can be so painful, can't it? A couple years ago, I was, <clears throat> I was finding myself um, one evening. Uh, I talked about my, my wife's bowl of cereal before going to bed. It was getting into the evening after dinner, and, uh, and I found myself going to get a snack. And there was just kind of like this sense came over me of like, wait a minute, what I'm wanting right now is not a snack. I'm nervous in the inside. I'm jittery. I'm wanting something. And so I turned around, and I went back to my living room, and I sat down on the couch, and I decided... I'm bored. But rather than go get a snack or pull out my phone and scroll, like, you know, I'm going to let the boredom fully set in. I'm sitting there on the couch. My heart began to hurt inside. I am so bored. God, I am so bored. And as the minutes ticked away and the pain of boredom began to set in, like, I knew scripture. Psalm 16 says, In the God's presence there is the fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And as the boredom began to set in, I found myself suddenly laying on the floor, crying out to God, God, I don't know what has separated my heart from you, but I, am, I know right now I am missing something. God, reveal it to me. I am in desperate need of your presence. Has anybody ever been in my shoes? God, I need something. I'm bored. Guys, go to the movie theater some night, but don't go to the movies. Stand outside and watch the people come out after their movie. Guess what? Look at their faces. They're just as bored as what they went in. The two-hour movie didn't do anything for them, right? Go to the amusement park. Do the same thing. Watch the people's faces as they come out at the end of the day, right? Only... In God's presence is there the fullness of joy. Only at his right hand are there pleasures forevermore. We were made for intimacy with God. Nothing else will ever satisfy, right? And so as, as hunger for God begins to grow in our lives, and you get to that place, you're like, you know what? I scrolled through my Facebook feed a million times in the past year, and it has not satisfied my heart one bit. And you have that moment where you just put down your phone and you're like, I'm done. You know, another Instagram photo isn't going to change my life at all. You know, and you put it down, you put it aside, and you're like, but I'm still painful. So maybe I'm going to go comfort eat. Well, after a couple burgers, like I ate it. Anybody ever been to California and eat an In-N-Out burger? I once ate In-N-Out burger every day for a week. I'm like, I'm only in California for a week and a half. I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. By the seventh day, my veins were feeling like sludge. I'm like, I cannot eat another In-N-Out burger. I don't care how great it tastes. I feel awful, right? 
And so, like, this is the way it goes. We go after these, these other lesser lovers, these lesser pleasures, um, even friendships. We were made for a relationship. We were made to love one another. We were made for human relations, right? But none of them can satisfy even human relationships cannot satisfy this longing in our hearts for God. We, you know, many people call it this God-shaped heart hole inside of us. Man, it's more than a God-shaped hole. We are a vacuum without God. There is nothing to us without God. We were made for this is eternal life that you know him. Without the knowledge of God, there is no life at all. Right? So what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to pursue us. And suddenly the things that used to satisfy us don't satisfy us anymore. And then we start getting spiritually hungry. And then we're like, God, where are you? You must have lifted away from it. No, he's actually on you. You think you conjured up that spiritual hunger yourself? No way. The Holy Spirit is, called, is beginning to call your heart out, say, Come with me, my beloved. Come away with me. I have more for you. Come with me. I have more. Come. And he's ruining your taste buds for anything else. And that's what happens with spiritual hunger. So I believe this week God's stirring up in us a hunger for more of him. Amen? Okay. This morning, um, I prayed it, but isn't it great in, in Ephesians 1.17, that prayer that we looked at yesterday by Paul. Um, when you guys are studying through the New Testament and you find a prayer, these are the prayers that the Holy Spirit has written down for us to pray until Jesus returns. Again, I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit wrote down this prayer. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But guess what? He is the spirit of revelation. He wants to be known. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to pull back the curtain and say, this is who I am. He's wanting to be known. He's yearning out. He's, he's yearning for a people that will seek him because he's wanting to be known as, as our, our lover God. And so isn't that great that we're not praying a prayer that's like, well, I wonder if God's going to answer it. Of course he's going to answer it. He is the spirit of revelation. As we cry out to God, he will come and reveal himself. Amen? Okay. So this morning I want to, we're going to take a hard left turn because I think, we're gonna, I think the Holy Spirit wants to take us really deep, really fast. Woo! Okay, so here we go. Um, 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. I want to look at, this morning, uh, I call this the um, empty pot prayers. We want to build the house of prayer from the deepest place of our inner man. I'm going to say that again. We want to build the house of prayer from the deepest place of our inner man. We don't want to do religious activities out here and be ignoring the depths of our heart with God, right? The, the desired dwelling place of God above all things is in you. It's in your inner man. Now, David knew that he desired to dwell in Jerusalem in his day, but the Jerusalem of God in our day is right here in our inner man. God deeply desires to dwell in, in the deepest part of who we are. First Chronicles 4.10 
call this an empty pot prayer, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Um, this is in the list of a bunch of genealogies. First Chronicles 4.10. In the midst of the begats, the midst of the genealogies, there comes this guy named Jabez. Let's look first at verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, if you look down at your footnote, you might see in your Bible that Jabez sounds like the Hebrew word for pain. Imagine if your mom named your name was pain. And every time somebody referred to you, they said, pain. The very identity of who you are is pain. Pain in the neck just arrived today. Can you imagine that? If you're, your very identity of who you are is named pain. And this is Jabez, verse 10. Then Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hands might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. He cries out from the depth of who he is. And if I could put my paraphrase on it, he says, God, change my whole identity. I've been named pain. I don't want that anymore. God, change it. Oh, oh, bless me, God. Change my identity. I don't want to be called pain anymore. I don't want a life of pain. Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, uh, that you would not cause me harm, and that it would not pain me anymore. He cries out to God from the depths of his being, from the depth of who he is. God. What's, what's God do? And God granted what he asked. And it goes on to the next guy. That's all we know about Jabez. All right, I want to read to you guys a, a book this morning, and I wish you were all close enough to see the pictures, but you won't. So maybe the front row can enjoy it. I don't know. But it's a book called The Empty Pot. It's not the Bible, but sometimes God uses stories to speak sort of like a parable into our life, right? So I want to read to you this, this book named The Empty Pot. And uh, someone once years ago asked me, they're like, Jason, what's the currency of prayer? Like, if there's anything that makes prayer work, and I'm like, well, what's the currency of relationship? What's the currency of fellowship? Like, what makes a real relationship go deep and intimate? And so I think there's a secret in this book called The Empty Pot. You guys ready? It's a kid's book, so enjoy it. Everybody just act like your kid, right? A long time ago in China, there was a boy named Ping who loved flowers. Anything he planted burst into bloom. Up came flowers, bushes, and even big fruit trees as if by magic. This kid had a green thumb. This book's falling apart, too. Everyone in the kingdom loved flowers, too. They planted them everywhere, and the air smelled like perfume. Everybody go. I think heaven... be a fragrance in the air. It's going to be amazing. The emperor loved birds and animals, but flowers most of all. 
and he tended his own garden every day. But the emperor was very old. He needed to choose a successor to the throne. Who would his successor be, and how would the emperor choose? Because the emperor loved flowers so much, he decided to let the flowers choose. The next day, a proclamation was issued. All the children in the land were to come to the palace. There they would be given special flower seeds by the emperor. Whoever can show me their best in a year's time, he said, will succeed me to the throne. The news created great excitement throughout the land. Children from all over the country swarmed to the palace to get their flower seeds. All the parents wanted their children to be chosen emperor, and all the children hoped they would be chosen too. When Ping received his seed from the emperor, he was the happiest child of all. He was sure he could grow the most beautiful flower. Ping filled a flower pot with rich soil. He planted the seed in it very carefully. He watered it every day. He couldn't wait to see the seed sprout, grow, and blossom into a beautiful flower. Day after day passed, but nothing grew in his pot. Ping was very worried. He put new soil into a bigger pot. Then he transferred the seed into the rich black soil. After another two months, he waited. Still nothing happened. By and by, the whole year passed. Spring came and all the children put on their best clothes to greet the emperor. They rushed to the palace with their beautiful flowers, eagerly hoping to be chosen. Ping was ashamed of his empty pot. He thought the other children would laugh at him because for once he couldn't get a flower to grow. His clever friend ran by, holding a great big plant. Ping, he said, you're not really going to the emperor with an empty pot, are you? Couldn't you grow a great big flower like mine? I've grown lots of flowers better than yours, Ping said. It's just this seed that won't grow. Ping's father overheard this and said, you did your best. And your best is good enough to present to the emperor. Holding the empty pot in his hands, Ping went straight away to the palace. The emperor was looking at the flowers slowly, one by one. How beautiful all the flowers were, but the emperor was frowning and did not say a word. Finally, he came to Ping. Ping hung his head in shame, expecting to be punished. The emperor asked him, why did you bring an empty pot? I love how the artist here put the emperor here and Ping way over here. There's like a huge distance, this gulf between them over the empty pot. Why did you bring an empty pot, he asked. 
Ping started to cry and replied, I planted the seed you gave me, and I watered it every day. But it didn't sprout. I put it in a better pot with better soil, but still it didn't sprout. I tended it all year long, but nothing grew. So today, I had to bring an empty pot without a flower. It was the best that I could do. When the emperor heard these words, a smile slowly spread over his face, and he put his arm around Ping. Then he exclaimed to one and to all, I have found him. I have found the one person worthy of being emperor. Where you got your seeds from, I do not know, for the seeds I gave you had all been cooked. So it was impossible for any of them to grow. I admire Ping's great courage to appear before me with the empty truth. And now I reward him with my entire kingdom and make him emperor of all the land. Luke 12, Jesus says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom of God. Here in this story, um, I love the way it ends. I admire Ping's great courage to appear before me with the empty truth. This is where our prayer life begins with God is to appear before him in the reality of who we are. No masks, no faking it, no superficiality. God, this is where I'm at. Jabez had an empty pot prayer. Oh, you bless me. You changed my identity. The very fabric of who I am, the very name attached to my life. I need you to change me, God. Turn with me to 1 Samuel. I want to look, take a look at another empty pot prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is Hannah. Building the house of prayer from the core, from the empty pot of who we are. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man of Remethame Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. Okay, so there's this dude. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 2. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none, no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. 
If you feel like your life isn't being as fruitful as you think it should be, perhaps the Lord is pressing you in further to him. Verse 6, and her rival used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Dude, shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, did you realize what he just said? Like, his wife is grieving because she doesn't have any children because of infertility. And he's like, come on, aren't I better to you than ten sons? No, dude, stop being so vain. <laughs> she wants children, Right? How insensitive in his desire to comfort her, he completely goes the wrong way and doesn't comfort her at all. Very insensitive, right? <laughs> why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Oh, my goodness. Stick it up your shirt, man. Okay. Verse, uh, verse 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose... Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. Oh, man, now she gets hit by religion. Completely misunderstood by the priest. She's pouring her heart out from the honest place, from her empty pot. And the priest's like, stop being drunk. Put your wine away from you, lady. She gets completely judged, right? It's just it's an awful story. It gets better. Hang on. All right. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. Boom. There it is. Jabez is pain. She feels worthless. Deep down inside, I don't have children. Please don't consider me a worthless woman. The very place of identity of who she is. Somehow wrapped up in this prayer, God, please, Eli, don't consider me, me a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace. 
Now he gets it. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away, went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Hannah's empty pot prayer changed the destiny of the whole nation of Israel. Because she dared to go to the bottom of her soul and bare her soul before God. Here I am, in all the honesty of the brokenness of who I am in my life. She went to the core of who she was, and she brought her empty pot before God, and because she did, God ended up with a child that grew up in his presence in the tabernacle, in the place of meeting. God got a, got a prophet named Samuel, dedicated to him from birth, that eventually Samuel anointed Saul to be king. Eventually, he anointed David to be king, which led Israel back to God. At this story, at the end of the book of Judges, Israel is a nation that is far from the Lord. At the end of the book of Judges, it says that in Israel, everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. There was no standard of truth. They were far from God. And in the context of being far from God, suddenly God closes the womb of a woman named Hannah. Hannah cries out to God, cries out, and the desperation to have this barrenness lifted off of her life, in that place of desperation, she cries out and says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him right back to you. Father's like, yes, I got a prophet. I have someone that's going to lead this nation back to God. God's heart is fulfilled in Hannah. Hannah's heart is fulfilled in God. There's a place of intimacy between Hannah and God, where the kingdom of God comes to earth. You guys, if we will go to the core with God, we will shake nations. If we have the boldness and the courage to appear before God with the empty truth of who we actually are in the inside, we will absolutely shake the earth for the kingdom of God. In the book of Romans, it says that that the whole earth is groaning with great expectation for the sons of God to appear. Sons of God are born from the empty pot. That's where it all starts. Father, here I am. Jesus, here I am. Holy Spirit, here I am. Take me from here, and everything happens. All right, my story of the empty pot. I told you about Holly. (laughs) Woo! So after two years of like on, on again, off again, this relationship back and forth, finally it came to a place where Holly dumped me again. And um, I went home pretty heartbroken. It was Christmas break. I fly back home to, to Pennsylvania from Texas where I was serving with YWAM. I'm back home. And my church, my Mennonite church that was supporting me financially in missions, 
decided that I no longer was legitimately, um, they, they couldn't support me anymore because missionaries are supposed to go to other nations. And, and so what I was doing here in the United States was not, really didn't really fit the vision of the church as far as the missions budget. So Holly dumps me, my church dumps me, and then I go to, uh, go to my church mission board to meet with them to kind of, ex- to like, hey, I want to share the vision of what I'm doing and really what this means in impacting the nations of the earth and the Great Commission. Like, I want to connect the dots for you and ask you to pray again. Well, I go there and I get, I get, I get denied. <laughs> they were not receiving what I was selling at all. So I go home and, uh, I walk into my farmhouse where I grew up, and, and I go to my mother for a little bit of comfort, I guess. And I, I'm like, Mom, I'm really hurting. Like, this is what happens. And my mom sides with the church. Well, Jason, you know, your brother, he went to, like, you know, he's in serving the Lord in, in like, Russia and, in, in like, Uzbekistan. Like, they get that. But, like, you're in America. Like, you have to understand that this just isn't the vision of the church. And... Rejection, rejection, abandonment. Boom. My brother, my older brother, who was a missionary in Russia, was actually home on furlough. I guess it was from Uzbekistan at that point. He was home from furlough, and he was, uh, he had two little girls that were, like, infant and, like, three years old. And they were, they were, it was in the afternoon, they were napping in another portion of the house. And uh, my heart hurt so bad, you guys. It was just like heartbreak after heartbreak, a week of just pain after pain after pain. I walked up into my, my bedroom. It used to be my bedroom, but now I'm living in again when I'm back home visiting my parents. Walk up in my bedroom, and I fall to the floor. I just crumble. My heart hurt so bad that I didn't want to wake up my, my brother's chil- uh, children by screaming, but I felt like I needed to scream. And I'm, I'm curled up on the floor like a little child, like a baby, like this. I'm a grown man. I'm now in my upper 20s, right? And I, there's a bath towel on the floor. And so I'm, I'm, I'm biting on the towel with my teeth to keep myself from screaming too loud. So I wouldn't wake up my parent, my my uh, my brother's younger daughters. And out of me came this prayer. In that moment, God, if you're real, I need to feel your touch now. I've been walking with the Lord for years. I had grown up in revival out of the Tuesday night Bible study. I'd been in missions. I had seen God do miracles. I'd sought his face. I'd been through the discipleship training school with YWAM. I'd been through a school of evangelism with YWAM. I've been to the ends of the earth, probably, I don't know, five to ten different nations at that point in missions. And suddenly out of me comes this prayer, God, if you exist. I had no idea that in my soul there was still a question about God's sheer existence. But out of me came my empty pot prayer. Poof. Like an artesian well springing up. God, if you exist, 
I need to feel your touch. And I need to feel your touch now. Some of you have been here. You've cried out to God, haven't you? I cried out to God. And at that point, all superficiality of my relationship with God was off. It was off the table. Any religion, any pretending, it was all gone. Any sense of spiritual pride of like, you know, I'm the good guy that gave my heart to the Lord when I was young, and that, you know, which wasn't actually my testimony. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 19. I was rebellious when I was young. But um, like any sense of pride of being a missionary, spiritual pride, like what I know of Scripture, in that moment, it was all off the table. That moment, it's, God, if you're real, I need to feel your touch now. Guess what? I felt, you ever go to the dentist and have that, like, x-ray blanket put on you, and it's like, thunk, you know? I felt the weight of his presence just come over me like a blanket. And I'm laying there on the floor like a little child. It's like the x-ray blanket of his presence. The shalom, the peace of God came upon me. And I felt God. I physically felt his presence. My heart rate started to go slower. And I just laid there in the presence of the Lord for like the next hour and a half. My tears began to dry. Joy. Began to fill my heart. And from that moment on, I've never feared being alone. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Though David wrote, though father and mother may forsake me, you will always be with me, always. And I had my Gnosko eat the donut experience with the presence of God. The Lord slowly peeled away the layers of my heart. From Holly to my church family to my own mother to get me down to the bottom, bottom, bottom core thing. What's down in there? God, if you're real, I need to feel your touch and I need to feel you now. I pray, God, I pray this week that you would help us, by, that a grace would come upon Elam. A grace would come upon each one of us individually, but even a grace upon the corporate body of Elam to go to the core and to appear before you with the empty truth. And Holy Spirit, I didn't even know what was down in there. I didn't even know the questions of my own soul. But, Father, you brought me to a place where you revealed that. But I pray, God, in your mercy that you would do that in a gracious way. Father, that in your mercy and your grace that you would do that in a gracious way for each one of us in this room. That you would, that you would birth the house of prayer inside of us. That suddenly then, as we come, bring our empty pots before you, that our hearts could cry out, Abba, Daddy. And that us men could become sons and the women could become daughters, even to a deeper level in your love, Lord. We want to go deeper with you.
Take us to the empty pots, the deepest places of who we are. Father, I pray that you would fill us anew with your agape love. Father, I pray that you would heal the deepest parts of who we are with who you are this week. Father, I pray that you would cleanse us of anything that takes us out of your house. And Father, I pray that you would reveal to us all that you have available in your house. The infinite love, the infinite presence that you have available to us. And Father, I pray that you would give us as a gift, you would grant to us faith to receive all that you have for us this week. Lord, do more. Take us deeper, God. Okay, I want to look at a couple other empty pot prayers in Scripture. All right. So empty, empty pot prayers. Uh, we talked about the, the O of Jabez. Oh. There's another empty pot prayer in Isaiah 64. You don't need to turn there, but you can write it down in your notes if you want. But Isaiah 64, Isaiah cries out on behalf of Israel. He goes, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah as an intercessor. Isaiah is a book of prophecies the whole way through, except for a little bit of narrative in the middle of the book about King Sennacherib and winning a battle over the king of Assyria. There's a little story in the middle of Isaiah, but the rest is all prophecies except for one prayer. In Isaiah 64, Isaiah prays. And the intercession of his life comes out, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the, melt, the mountains would, would melt like wax before your presence. Just like water boils because of a flame, let your presence come and basically let your, your presence come and change this nation. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He just cries out to God that God would come and visit his nation. We need God. His presence is the point of all prayer, right? It's everything. We need God. So empty pot prayer. Jesus' is empty pot prayer. You guys ready for this? Jesus' empty pot prayer. He's on the cross, and he cries out to the Father. He quotes David from Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting David. Have you ever felt like God forsook you? Have you ever felt in your heart like God neglected you? Like, like somehow or another, everybody else is blessed and you missed the blessing. Somehow or another, like, you're the, you're the odd man out. Well, David, in Psalms 22, he wrote from that place. He wrote that song for that place. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when Jesus quoted David's greatest hits on the cross, Psalms 22, everybody else would have known that psalm. They knew what he was quoting. If you get to the end of that psalm, Psalm 22, David writes, But you taught me how to trust when I was nursing on my mother. David has this great way through many of the psalms. He starts out in the anguish and the pain of his humanity. And by the end of it, he's leaning on God and he's worshiping and praising. Again and again, he, he, he learns how to return his heart to joy. 
how to return his anxious heart to peace. And he learns the presence of the Lord and that process of when I'm in anxiousness, when I'm in worry, when I'm in pain, oh, I go to the Lord and the Lord turns my heart and he shifts me out so I'm no longer emotionally stuck, but now I'm back in the joy and the peace of the Lord, no matter what happens in any circumstance. Don't we all just want to serve the Lord in joy no matter what happens to us in any circumstance, any day? Right? So David learned this. So he writes, he writes the, the, the David's greatest hits, Psalms 22. He writes this psalm. He begins saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But by the end of the psalm, he's saying, but you've taught me how to trust when I was nursing on my mother. I feel in this moment that you have forsaken me, God. But I trust you. I trust you. You must be in this. You must be doing something. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Jesus on the cross cries out at that place, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I trust you. Abba, I trust you. Sure enough, on the third day, the power of God rises Christ Jesus from the dead. And in Psalms chapter 2, prophecy about Jesus, it says, I will declare the decree of the Lord. Today you have become my son, and I have become your father. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as inheritance. Jesus trusted his father the whole way to the cross. The whole way to his life being nailed to the cross, he trusted. My God, my God, I feel right now in his humanity, I feel that you've forsaken me, but I trust you. And in that day, the father says, today, you've become my son, and I've become your father. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. It's the empty pot. The kingdom, I give it to you. It's yours. It's all yours. Just take it. Run with it. It's yours. Inheritance. Because you went to that place, and you said, God, I trust you. I don't know what your empty pots are. I don't know when it was in my life as a child that my soul got the message of abandonment, but it was there. And my whole life, I felt abandoned. I felt rejected. And I grew up in a pretty decent family. But that day when I finally cried out, God, if you exist, I need to feel your heart, feel your presence right now. I need to feel your touch. When he touched me, there's that old gospel song, and he touched me. When he touched me, a son of God was born. That's what happened that, that afternoon on the floor of my bedroom. A child of God was born. I was in the place of trust. God met me, and I no longer was abandoned. I was no longer orphaned. And from that place, now I can live my life in the kingdom of God. We sang it this morning. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. He has chosen me, right? If you watch the movie Overcomer, I am chosen. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. God had a, he had a plan. He actually planned out in advance to redeem my life. He put things into motion to save me. It wasn't by accident or by chance. He specifically mapped out a plan to come running after my life. He was so intentional to choose me. This is my God.
and a child of God is born. And he asked him, and he'll give us the nations of our, as our inheritance. As we start building houses of prayer here over the next couple of days, we're going to get into, like, changing nations and interceding for his, being history makers and watching, you know, praying and watching the headlines of nations move as you pray. But guess what? It's all born out of sonship. It's all born out of this place of going to the core with the Father. Getting to that place where we appear before God with the empty truth, and then he will take us from there. Amen? Oh, God. That's where the house of prayer is, is formed. I want to share with you one other empty pot, the empty pot of God. You need to know that as you bring your empty pot before God, you're not relating with one that doesn't know how you feel. <laughs> he knows. You think you've been rejected. You think you've been abused. You think, whatever, you've been abandoned. Here's one of God's empty pot moments. In the, in the story of Noah, God comes to Noah. And he says that, says, every intention of the man's heart at that time had become wicked in every way. Like all of humanity had turned from God. And become selfish and wicked. But it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But it says in that, in that story of Noah that it grieved God. He, it grieved him. Now in the Hebrew, it's not like, hey, it grieved God. In the Hebrew, you know like the Hebrew language, the letters actually mean pictures. And there's like a depth to the language that's deeper than our Latin English type stuff. In the Hebrew, that word grieved, it actually paints the connotation of like a father, a husband that just lost his wife or a father that just lost his child. There's a deep sense of, <gasps> I don't know if you've ever been in grief so deeply that you can hardly breathe. God wept for 40 days and 40 nights. And he started over with Noah's family. He had to, it was so bad, he had to reboot the world. He had to do a wipe and a reinstall of the whole thing. And he started with Noah's family. And this ark was like the first, it was this, this temple that the Lord, by his presence in the ark, carried Noah and his family to become the seed of the future of mankind on the earth. God has an empty pot, too. If you read Jeremiah, you'll see a God crying out. And I give this thought to Philip Yancey, the author, and he writes, and I would also echo, is it meant to create God to be a human or to be a sacrilegious in any way? But it's almost like after David and Song of Solomon, they're expressing their heart to God. Suddenly in the prophets, God talks back. It's like, you want to know how I feel? In the prophets, it's like God on the counseling chair. I feel like a Hosea. I feel like a wounded lover that took in a harlot from the street, married her, cleaned her up, and made her mine. As she turned around and she broke my heart, and she ran back to the street. She started sleeping with other men. That's how I feel when I look at my people through Jeremiah. 
I feel like a father that found an infant child out on the field, naked and bleeding, abandoned. And I took this child in, and I doted on this child, and I, I cleaned up the child, and I, and I raised him. I adopted this child. And then as an adult, the child ran away from me. That's how I feel. And you can hear the, the, the heart of God crying out for his people through the prophets. God's got an empty pot. And this empty pot is his yearning for us, his people. I don't know about you guys, but this week of prayer week at Elam, I want to bless God's heart. I want to fill God's heart with so much joy. I want to fill his heart with so much love. I know that your empty pot is yearning for me. So I'll come to you with my empty pot, and we'll meet there. Today, I want to be your son, and you'll be my father. Yeah, and then God, I'm going to ask you for the nations as my inheritance for Jesus. Because he gave this to me by your blood, by his blood. A couple years ago, I'm going to leave you with another Ephesians prayer. We're going to end this here in a couple minutes. Woo. I'm so glad that God cares about us. You know, uh, Shrek, <laughs> the ogre was a little bit like an onion, you know? It's like layers. <laughs> God's always wanting to take us deeper. Layer. It wasn't like, okay, I got the abandonment breakthrough when I was laying on the, on the floor after Holly broke up with me. There's layers and layers of going deeper and deeper into the love of Abba. Into the love of Jesus, our bridegroom. Into the presence and the counseling of the Holy Spirit. Deeper and deeper, right? And so uh, three years ago, um, we, had, we had just started David's Tent. We just had celebrated David's Tent's one-year anniversary of day and night, 365 on the mall. And my birthday was coming up two weeks later. And so I thought, hmm, what do I want for my birthday? And so this is what I decided I wanted for my birthday. It was, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Because I would never think something this, this genius. This is like, God, give me a spirit of wisdom. I, I emailed 10 of my closest male friends. Some of them are like spiritual fathers of me, uh, pastors in the city of D.C. Some would be like spiritual sons that have grown up underneath my tutelage. Um, those that around my life, and then some were more like peers of mine, but people around my life that knew me the best. And I emailed about 10 of them, and I said, okay, for my birthday, um, I just want you, if there's something that just in your guts, you just know that Jason Hershey doesn't get. He just doesn't understand, hasn't been revealed to him. Um, he just doesn't get it. it. Intrinsically, deep down inside, you just know this. I just want you, for my birthday, can you just tell me that? Like, just tell me what it is, please. And so, like, eight out of the ten people, they emailed me back, and they're like, they gave me, like, this, you know, good prophetic word. Like, Jason, we just see you next year. And I'm like, that's not what I asked. I asked you, like, in your guts, if there's something that you just know that Jason Hershey doesn't understand. And uh, this is a great question that you should ask some of your friends, by the way. And... Uh, Two of them, a spiritual father and a spiritual son, they both got back to me and they gave me the same answer. Would you like to know 
what they said. This is what they said. But I need to tell you that when they, when they told me this answer, I had three simultaneous reactions inside at the same time. That's what simultaneous means. Sorry for the redundancy. Um, first one was, oh, I've been walking with you, God, for this long, and I don't know this yet. I was a bit frustrated with myself. The second reaction was, this feels so good. My friends just loved me because deep down inside, I know they are absolutely right. And they, I was so grateful for their candor. And it was kind, it was kind candor. And, uh, and then thirdly, I was really excited because I realized, all right, the Lord's about to do something in my life. I'm stoked about this. This is what they said, both of them. They said, Jason, we just don't think. They didn't say we. They both said I because they didn't do it together. They said, I don't think that you really know how much God loves you. That was it. I don't think you know, like Gnosko down here, I don't think you know how much God loves you. And I'm like, I should know that. I've been walking with the Lord. Thank you, friends, for telling me that because I know that you're right. My soul needs to know more of the love of God. I know that. It feels right. My, my heart bore witness. And then thirdly, I was, I was excited because I'm like, okay, God, you're about ready to reveal more of your great love for me. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to give you another one of these eternal prayers to end this session. Ephesians chapter 3. Again, this is a revival church. Paul is, commends them at the beginning of the book for their faith. And he's so encouraged by their growth. And he's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know the Lord better. Go deeper with God. Go deeper. There's more. And here in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14... For this reason, tell you what, let's all get on our knees. Can we do that? If you're able, if, it's, if, if it doesn't pain you too much. Let's get on our knees. Let's read this on our knees. This is an eternal prayer that the Holy Spirit wrote down for us to pray until Jesus returns. For this reason, I bow my knees before the, everybody? Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Just want those words to sink in. He's praying, Paul's praying that the Ephesian church would be strengthened with power in their inner man. Why? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may have strength. Okay, there's that word strength again. He was praying for strength so that they would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul is praying for the Ephesians church, and this is my prayer for you this morning, that the Holy Spirit this week and for the rest of this semester would strengthen Elam and every person here to have the strength in the inner man to comprehend the great love of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. He can do more than that. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, you can be seated again. Oh, God, give us strength to understand how much you love us. How can we comprehend the great love of God for us that is infinite? There's more, you guys. There's so much more. So, Father, I just, um, to end this session, Lord, I pray, God, we ask you for the more. We ask you to strengthen us in our inner man that we could comprehend your great love for us. Father, I pray that you would give courage, give courage to each and every one of us this week to appear before you, God, with the empty truth. God, the rest of this morning, into the afternoon, into this evening, Lord, help us to build the house of prayer from our inner man. We want more of you in the inside. It's an inside, upside down, king, inside out, upside down kingdom, and we want you to build from the inside out. God, we give you permission to turn us upside down today. If this is your prayer, just say amen. God, we want more of your love in our inner man. Amen. God, we love you, Lord Jesus. Can't wait to see what you're going to do, Holy Spirit.